you for a, um, a new day. Thank you for your grace that is sufficient in our need. Thank you that, um, Jesus, you are here among us, your people, and working. And uh, we love you. We pray that as we look into your word, uh, be at work in our hearts and our minds. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, I have a cold. Our summer colds are the worst. Our, they should not exist in the, uh, in the summer, but I have one. So if I sneeze or uh, pass out, forgive me. Um, this morning, uh, we're going to look at church as team. You know, the church, the church is such an interesting, for lack of a better word, organism. If you think about it, there's nothing like the, the church. You're bringing people from all sorts of different experiences and backgrounds. You're bringing people of all sorts of, you know, uh, in different socioeconomic uh, groups. And you're putting them all together under, like, the banner of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we're joining together to do this work that we're told is, is like, eternal. It's like some of the best work we can do in our lives, spreading the good news of Jesus Christ and, and the gospel. And yet, it's really hard. The church is so unique, and like not everybody's getting paid to do it. Like there's all these different things that have to happen like in the church for things to work and for things to happen. Like it requires a real commitment by all the people of a church to ultimately do kingdom work. Like it can't just be a few people. A, a successful church, and when I say successful, I'm talking about a church that is reaching people with the gospel and discipling people to become more like Jesus is one where the church as a whole has learned its, like, its role, has learned its, their, its unique calling and, and works together to live out that, that calling. I want to read for you Nehemiah 6. We're going backwards a little bit, but uh, two verses, verses 15 and 16, says, So the wall was completed on the 25th of Elul in 52 days. When all our enemies heard about this, all the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their self-confidence because they realized that this work had been done with the help of our God. It's amazing that this group of people was able to complete this wall in such a short amount of time. It was no small feat. In fact, Jewish historian Josephus stated that the circumference of Jerusalem in Nehemiah's day was 33 stadia, which equals 4.5 English miles. That would make the area within the walls of Jerusalem about 960 acres. It's huge. I saw up in Maple Grove a white castle take like six months to be built. <laughs> Not too long ago. And here, like, this group of people builds this humongous wall in 52 days. And the question is like, how did they do it? They did it by doing it together in team. And it's amazing what we can do together in team. Like, what is possible when we work together as a team with 
the help of God. Like, nothing is impossible. We can do big things when we're committed working together in team. And it's the way that God has designed it to be. One of my favorite stories um, about teamwork uh, goes like this. A little old man went up to a counter and ordered, uh, ordered some food. He brought it back to the table, a hamburger, a small amount of fries, and a drink. Carefully, he sliced the hamburger in two and then neatly divided the fries into two small piles. He sipped the drink and then passed it over to his wife. She took a sip and passed it back. A younger man at a nearby table observed this couple and began to feel sorry for them. He offered to buy them another meal, but the old man respectfully declined, seeing that they were used to sharing everything. The old man began to eat his food while his wife sat still not eating. The young man continued to watch the old couple, watch the old, older couple, uh, feeling that there was something that he should do to help. As the old man finished his half of the burger and fries, the old lady still had not started eating hers. The young man couldn't take it anymore. So he finally said something. He asked, ma'am, why aren't you eating? The older lady looked up and politely said, pointing to the old man, I'm waiting on the teeth. (laughs) That's teamwork. (laughs) You know, one of the things this verse shows us is the completion of the wall in such a short period of time does show us the power of team when we do things together along with God. But it also shows us in verse 16 something really powerful, and that is that people take notice. It says that uh, their enemies took notice, and, and, and not just, wow, they got it done, but there's no way they could have they, they could have not, you know, there's no way they could have got that done without something bigger, without God. Like, there was, there was this expression, this reflection of the work that they were doing um, that pointed to God. You know, man-made results only move people so far, but rarely far enough. What if we as a church were doing things together in such a way that people noticed and said, wow, like only God could have made that happen. You know, I think about our adoption dream that we, we dreamt about adopting and, and or fostering 50 kids over five years. And that number 50 was, was big enough that we knew that only, only God could make it happen. And like right now, we're well over 60. You know, those are the types of things that God's inviting us into as a church to be a part of big things that when we're together, working together as a team, God can do big things and people take notice. I mean, I can't tell you how many people uh, have asked like, why, how did you do that? How did the church do that? Why did the church do that? And it's like, well, why? Because we've, adoption is just at the heart of God. Like, we've all been adopted through Jesus Christ. And the reality is the church is meant to be a place where we look out in the, at the wrongs in the world and we say we want to be a part, uh, we want to join God in making wrongs right. And every child should have a home. It's just not right. 
And so when, when, when we work together, like, God can do incredible things. When you look at what led the people to their success, we can find out uh, what they did right and also maybe see what we're doing wrong. When you look at how the people completed the wall so quickly, it's clear that they knew their roles and they were committed to it. They faced opposition, but they don't give up. They keep going. But they each had a role and they were willing to play that role. The second thing is they knew that they weren't just doing it for themselves, but they were doing it for God. And that inspired the people to keep going, particularly when it was difficult. And when you know that you're doing things for God, it allows you to exist in an imperfect community with imperfect people. Which it's difficult at times to to serve within the church because at times we fail each other. At times we let each other down. And yet, uh, we're sort of called to this rugged commitment to one another. To work together for the greater good. And to remind ourselves that I'm not do- we're, we're doing this for a greater purpose. We're doing this for God. And so the things that often get in the way of us, you know, working together as a team um, is one, we find it hard to be on a team together. Um, it's a sad reality, but at some point, people will let you down. And whenever I hear people say, oh, the church really hurt me, uh, it's almost always, well, no, somebody hurt you, like a person hurt you. And the reality is, like, you come into our church, like, this isn't a perfect church. And there's going to be, at times, uh, seasons where people let you down. It's hard. Um, And yet, we're called to a sort of rugged commitment, the same rugged commitment that God has in his relationship with us, where he doesn't give up. Where we, like, we don't just run away, but we, we, we sort of run toward one another and keep going and deal with, deal with the things. I mean, we should be a place, a church, where we deal with the pain that we may inflict with one another, the letdown that we might experience with one another. The second thing that can keep us um, from working in team is we just, we don't know our role. Like, where do I fit in this whole thing? And I think one of the problems with the sort of American church is, uh, and the staff model, is you have a staff and they're getting paid and it's their job, um, to do a lot of the work of the church. And a lot of churches just rely on the staff to do a vast majority of the work. The problem is, is that it's this, the staff is never enough. You can't reach as many people if it's just a staff of four or five doing all the work. It's just, it's an impossible thing to do. But, um, you know, and there's, there's something called founder's myth, which I think is really interesting. In Silicon Valley, there's this, this sort of myth that, um, like, and we love these stories of, like, the, the guy or the gal who starts a business from the ground up, you know, started this in their, uh, like, started this business in their garage, and they worked their way, and, like, the success of this, this company is because of this person. You think about something like Apple, Steve Jobs, Microsoft, Bill Gates, Amazon, Jeff Bezos. Like, we love these stories where it's like, wow, here's this one person 
that made all this happen. But the founder's myth is sort of saying like one person can, can make it happen and, and, and the success of these, of these companies is based on these prolific leaders. And while some of that is true, the reality is all those companies, none of them would be what they are without a huge amount, like a, a large amount of people helping make that company successful. That's why it's called a founder's myth. And the reality is in the church, like, uh, yeah, the pastor is going to play a significant role in the leading of, of the church, but for the church to be successful, like, it, it's got to be everybody at work together, finding their role, seeing where they fit in. And at times that means you step out and you, you lead in a way that maybe you're not comfortable, or it might mean that you take a step back because you go, like, I'm not qualified for this. And that's, I know, that can be hard for me. This is, I, like, I, I want to often kind of take control of things. And sometimes it's hard for me to trust other people, like, because I, in my pride, think, like, I know the best way it should be done, and I'm probably the only one who can make it happen. And yet the reality is I can't, it's, it's prideful and foolish to think that I'm going to have the best ideas or that I'm, I'm, I'm really the one who can make it all happen. That's that's pride. And so learning to step back and let other people lead, even if that means mistakes, is, is fine. And recognizing that maybe I'm not qualified. Maybe God's not called me to that, and that's okay. You know, I had an experience with someone who I'm like, I, you're, you're stepping over your boundaries in terms of qualification here, and it was worrying me. I had this terrible neck ache. Just awful, wouldn't get better, would not go away. And my wife and I were at the mall just walking around and shopping or whatever. And I see one of those like massage chair kiosk type thing. You guys know what I'm talking about? And I was like, oh, I think I should just get a 10-minuter there. And Cal was like, yeah, go for it. So I go down and the guy, you know, starts, you know, doing all this and I tell him before I sit down, like, I, my neck, just focus 10 minutes on the neck. It's awful. Don't, don't wander anywhere else. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, he's doing his thing, and 10 minutes just goes by like that. And um, he, like, sits me back up on the chair, and he puts his hands like this. And I, I instantly begin to feel uncomfortable. And so I turn, I go, what are you doing? And he goes, oh, I'm going to, you know this. I'm going to do this. I go, excuse me? Uh, you want to crack my neck? I start looking around to see, like, you know, are you qualified to do this? Like, do you have the proper training to crack my neck? Like, when I, you know, I go to, like, a chiropractor, always a little nervous about the cracking of the neck, but then I, I tell myself, okay, look, when you're in chiropractic school, you're cracking, you know, the, like, each other's necks. I would assume the students are cracking each other's necks. Like, if you pop someone's head off, I can't imagine, like, you, you pass. Like, <laughs> like if you're, I, you know, I go to a chiropractor, like, you must have passed because you didn't pop someone's head off. Uh, I would think that was an instant fail. So I'm like, all right, I feel a little bit better. Go ahead, crack my neck. But I don't know if this guy's had proper training. He cracked my neck. He could, you know, pop my head off right then and there. I go, I don't, I don't feel good about this. And I'm looking around to see, like, do you have any credentials here? You know, I, I, when, I, when I go to the doctor, I like when I, I walk in and I see the, like, the, like, the diploma there. 
And the first thing I do is I look at the name and I go, am I, am I seeing the person on that diploma? Because it's like, I want to see Dr. Dr. Tim, not, you know, P.A. Jack. Like, I want to make sure that it's, you know, the guy. And then I look at the school next. Like, and if it's, if it's like male, I'm like, yes, I feel great about this. But if it's like, you know, Bemidji School of Medicine, I'm out of there. You know, like, I, I want to make sure that the person I'm handing my well-being over to is qualified. So I'm like, I'm looking around at this guy like, are you a chiropractor or like a mall kiosk massage therapist. Like, I don't know that I want you to crack my neck. So I go, no, don't, don't do that. Please don't do that. And so he didn't. He ended up going and slathering so much Ben Gay on my neck that I, <laughs> I literally thought I was being stung by bees constantly. But, you know, it's like, okay, stay in your lane. And sometimes it's difficult for us to stay in our lane and recognize, like, I might not be qualified to do that. I might not be uh, qualified uh, or God hasn't called me to do, to do this. And that, that, for me, I think is particularly important as a pastor in that um, I've got to learn to let go. But letting go is scary because it requires trust that people are going to step up. But again, it's like reminding ourselves that when we take risks together, when we take risks for God's kingdom, when we trust each other, when we pay attention to God's voice and we support one another and the vision that God has given us as a church, like God does big things. He can build huge walls in 52 days. And so, you know, as I think about us going into this, this building, like, um, there's such an awesome opportunity for us to be used in such a unique way that to go into this building and, and the opportunity just to invite uh, is, is huge because people are going to be like, oh, I want to check that out. Or they, I heard they built a church. I want to go check that out. And it's not about just getting masses in the door, but to go, let's leverage this opportunity to share with people Christ. But if we're going to, if, if that's going to happen, it's going to require a lot of people in our church to step up and say, I'm willing to help greet. I'm willing to help, uh, I'm willing to host meals for newcomers so that they feel welcome. I'm willing to serve in children's ministry because you know, we want to create a space where parents feel good and trust that their kids, you know, are being taken care of, but also taught and the seeds of, of the gospel are being planted in their life. It's going to mean stepping up and saying, I'm, really, I'm willing to, to play a role in students' life in a, in a particularly difficult and challenging time of life for them, to just be there for them, to be a listening ear, to be a voice of reason, to be a voice of wisdom, or I'm willing to, to teach, or I'm willing to lead a small group uh, so that people grow in their relationship with Christ, or I'm willing to be a part of a team that looks at how we can do outreach and reach more people or meet the needs of people in our community. Not one per there isn't just one person or a small group of people that can make that come to life. It requires all of us. 
But what we see through Nehemiah is you see a group of people committed to God and to one another. Committed to, like, offering themselves to the greater good. And what happens? Miracles. I mean, a wall is built in 52 days. There's a, a, a renewal of the people. Like, it's the beginning of a new season, and God is sparking revival. And I'm like, man... As we go into this next season as a church, we should be praying that God uses this for revival, to spark something new in, these, in the communities that, that we serve, to reach people, maybe in a way we haven't been able to reach people before. But to be a part of the greater things means doing it together and, and being willing to play our part. You were brought here, if this is your church, for a reason, a unique reason. And God has created you unique, unlike anyone else in this room or watching online. And he has a plan and a purpose for you in this church. And we wouldn't be a good church if we didn't help each other find out what that plan is and what that purpose is. So I want to invite you right now to just bow your head and I want you to pray with me and I want you to just ask uh, in this moment God to, to just open your heart to what it looks like to be a part of this church and what it might look like for you and just to ask God to give you wisdom and vision for what, what stirs your heart for the kingdom of God. What are the hopes and dreams you have for our church? This isn't just about like my hopes and dreams for our church or the staff's hopes and dreams for our church or the overseer's hopes and dreams for our church. Like this is your hopes and dreams. What are the hopes and dreams you have for our church? What are the things you want to see God do in and through our community? And let's share with one another what those things are, but let's ask God to reveal first where are the wrongs that we want to see be made right? Where's the redemption that we want to see in our world, in our community? Where are the lost? Like, give us eyes to see the lost, to see the least of these, to open our lives and our homes to those who, who are easily forgotten. And let's dream about seeing more and more people come to faith and new life in Jesus Christ. So let's just pray together. Let's pause. Holy Spirit, we invite you to be at work now in this moment in our minds and in our hearts. And God, I know um, we're all busy and we all have a lot going on. Um, but it can be so easy to sit on the sidelines. And this isn't about, uh, you know, a message or a sermon on making people feel bad for not doing anything. It's not that at all. It's, it's that everybody here has an has a opportunity. You have a purpose for them. Like you've uniquely created them and given each person here unique gifts to do things that I could never do. So would you join us together as a family, as a team, in our uniqueness and that we would be one 
And would you show us what it looks like for us to maybe get off the sidelines and into the game and what that might mean? And it could be serving on a Sunday or a Wednesday or it could be opening our home or whatever it is, God, I pray that you just, you would start to work in people's minds and hearts to give a vision for them and their family of what it means to be the church and what it means for them to be the church. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, the last thing I want to say, uh, there is a lot of things <laughs> for us to do church. It requires a lot of people. And you can see on these boards, every one of these uh, post-it notes is a person that we need in children's ministry. I mentioned this at the dedication. Our church has a lot of kids, a ton of kids. And uh, we take seriously when Jesus said, let the little children come to me. Like, we want to be a church that says, let the little children come to me. But it requires a lot of people to be able to do that. Look at all these. I mean, if you count them, it's, it takes a church in of itself just to church our children. But would you be willing to say yes and become one of these post-it notes? You also got uh, a little handout here. And we'd love for you to consider what it looks like to learn about serving in these areas. And finally, I'd say maybe there's areas that you feel called to, they're, they're not represented here. Um, but you feel called, you know, to lead in that way. What you need to do is be willing to speak up and speak to a staff person or come talk to me and be like, this is a dream I have for our church. Um, and don't, like, don't feel like you can't. Like, this is yours. I think that's what we just have to recognize. Like, this is your church. It's not mine. We've got to, you know, we've got to be doing this together. I don't want it to be mine. I don't want it to be centered around me. Um, I don't think it's good. I don't think it's healthy. But that's going to mean it's, it's, it's going to take people being willing to step up and say, I sense God doing this. So we're going to sing a couple songs together, and I just invite you to ask, continue to ask God's Spirit to um, open your heart to where you can join the team. There's a lot of need, and we need you. We, we, we want you. We want you to be a part of our team. And uh, even God, in the, in the less glamorous things, you might look at children's ministry and go, I got enough kids at home. But even in the midst of things that you might go are less glamorous, God does, God can do and does incredible things. So these are going to be out in the lobby at the end of the service. And you got these cards. And we just, we invite you to consider uh, your role, your participation, your leadership to our church. And we're excited to see where God takes us in this next season. Let me pray. Lord, um, I pray that we just never underestimate what you're capable of doing. And uh, I just pray, God, that we'd see that 
even the, the work that may not be celebrated, like putting away chairs or hanging out with, with kids or like doing things behind the scenes like um, that may not be seen by a lot of people, like you take notice. And all the work that we do as a church is important in your eyes. So I just, I pray God that you would, um, I pray that we'd be a, a place that equips, a church that equips people to do the work for the kingdom that you've called them to do. And meet our needs, God, because we do have a lot of needs when it comes to leadership and volunteers. And we want to do as awesome of ministry as possible, but it takes a lot of people to do that. And so would you meet our needs and, and uh, fill these spots? And I pray, God, that the big, the big things would happen in and through our church so that, Lord, your name would be glorified and people would take notice and they would go, boy, God is, I, like, I can't, uh, like, God is at work there. Like, I can't wrap my mind around how, how they're doing that or what's happening there except to say that God is at work. So we just, uh, we love you, Jesus, and we're so thankful we get to join with you in the work that you're doing in the redemption of all things. We pray it in your great name, Jesus. Amen. Let's stand together. We'll sing a couple songs.